Welcome to The Deadstream. My name is CZ and I will be your host this episode, and I am joined this afternoon by the fluff of nightmares, Lady White Rabbit. Hey guys, hope you're having a great holiday season. We're also joined season. tonight by the third voice of death, Mortis Media. Hey everyone! Our guest this week always gives you a reason to be afraid, Unit 522. You're listening to episode 6 of The Deadstream. Rabbit. Oh, Oh, sorry, that's that. Um, In this episode, we'll be interviewing units, talking about Mort's vampire experience, Insidious, Charles Manson, and much more. We'll also be taking your questions from the chat later in the broadcast. Super chats will definitely be addressed. So, what have you guys been working on this week, and, or this month, I should say? And what have you been up to? Uh, this month, uh, of course, we've got uh, Christmas coming up. So tomorrow, I will be releasing my uh, holiday story. That's exciting! I actually Ooh. just listened recently to the collaboration that you did with Unit last year, the uh, the Christmas yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, that's got a spike in views. Like people are starting to, you know, tune into it again. I guess it's because it's was last year's Christmas special. So right on. awesome, yeah. Mart, very good story. Um, I've been uh, I've been doing longer videos to celebrate the season, uh, stories around the fire and stuff like that, and it's pretty much much of the same. And loads of creepy pastas, lots of long big creepy pastas that I've been waiting a long time to do are finally going to be released. So it's can you, pretty exciting. Can you divulge any of that information? Yeah, I mean, I um, there's a few. I mean, there was there's one about what's... One that's about something that lies underneath the Vatican. Um, I was there a few weeks ago and I took some stock footage just to play over it because I thought it'd be quite fun. But I won't tell you what it's about. And I did a, a long creepypasta about a year ago. It's about two and a half hours long, featuring loads of different narrators. But this time I'm gonna just re-release it with just with just me because it's it was I did it I didn't do it as well last time. It was a bit too blocky because I split it up into eight parts. But I think it it would just be better as one standalone video just read by me. So that's something else. That's it's a really good really good story to listen to. So something Very else that's cool. gonna come out and later. And unit, what are your plans? Well, there's not really much left for me to do this year. Um, currently, I'm working on a sequel to um, a very popular video that was on my channel called Disturbing Videotape Horror Stories. There's a volume two in the works uh, because the first one did so well, and I uh, I felt that that was a very unique topic. Uh, it's not something that a lot of uh, horror channels really have delved into when it comes to old vi- There's always been something so creepy about old videotapes. Um, and of course, me and Tim are also working on bringing back the uh, creepy pasta universe, uh, the same universe where um, Rake versus Dogman took place, uh, the Burning Man took place, and various other stories. So we're bringing that connected universe back onto the channel, and I'm hoping that I can get something. For up those of you who aren't years. familiar, um, Tim Sa- Tim Sonsky is his name, right? He is a yes, creepypasta writer, and good to hear that you're going back to some of the creepypasta stuff. Um, that's always something that I like to hear. I do like the true scary stories as well, but I'm I'm always down yeah. to hear both of those. 
Um, as for me, yeah, so that's, cool. that's basically all. Uh, as for me, I just got over being sick for like three weeks, I think. Um, if, like if you listen to my last two mm -hmm. videos, my voice just sounds super weird. Um, so it's good to, uh, I think like yesterday was the first day that I finally felt comfortable with my voice back. So it's good to have that back in time for the dead stream. Uh, I checked out Star Wars, The Last Jedi last night. Did any of you guys get a chance to see that? No. Not yet. Um, Not yet. I, it wasn't my favorite. I enjoyed it. I did have some issues with it, but um, you guys, I would still recommend that you see it for yourselves. It's better than the prequel trilogy, well, at least, right? I, I actually like the prequel trilogy. I know I'm probably going to get hate for that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> what I like about the prequel trilogy... But would you consider it like a, a notch above um, that? In a way, like the, I think the acting is better, yeah. and um, there are just some things that I prefer about the new trilogy. But what I love about the prequel trilogy is it goes and does something different. And the thing with these movies is that they're kind of taking the formula of the original trilogy and just doing them again. So I think I think oh, okay. you got to give some credit to the prequel trilogy for trying to expand into new areas. It didn't always work, but I appreciate it. Yeah, the, the prequel trilogy did have some uh, standout moments specifically with Obi-Wan. The guy that they got to play, Obi-Wan, sure. was just fantastic. Um, the, the lightsaber battle in the Revenge of the Sith is one of the best moments in the series. Oh, that was really good too. Um, but anyways, we're going to get into some questions for unit. So if you guys have any questions in the chat, we would love to hear them. Uh, but first of all, I think the question on everybody's mind is how did you become our uncles? <laughs> how did that all start? Uh, well, you know, it's really uh, classified. I really can't get into much. It would just be easier if everybody were to just accept it as a uncompromising <laughs> fact. So. It's just strange to me because I remember like um, family get-togethers as a kid, and for some reason I just can't remember you being there. But now <laughs> that I've that I've joined the yeah, horror community, yeah. I do remember you <laughs> as true. my uncle. Yeah, I was there. You just didn't see me. <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, I uh, I view uncle. I view the horror community as a family, and I'm an uncle in real life. So it's just like uncle unit, you know. Why not? So who are the other, um, like, who's the aunt of the horror community? Who's the grandpa? Uh, I have no, I, I think there's actually a channel called oh, yeah, Aunt Creeps, Creepy or something. <laughs> so I guess that it would be sense. her. I don't know. <laughs> I just know I'm the uncle. Um, I'm hearing some congratulations on your engagement in the chat. And that was one of our other questions. Um, uh, thank you very so much. So you recently got engaged. Um and on the I day did. on the day that you were going to ask her, you posted on Twitter and told everybody that you were planning to um, to propose to her. So does does your yeah. fiance not know about your Twitter? What's the deal with that? Uh, she totally knows about the Twitter, but like I wouldn't have posted it. Uh, I would not have posted that if I knew like she was going to see it. She does like she she doesn't have a Twitter personally, and she really she's mm -hmm. more of a Facebook girl. So like she she like has no interest in Twitter whatsoever. So I just decided to risk it, but I knew like for a fact that she wasn't going to see anything. So uh, should we take? Should we take? She doesn't really. She doesn't really go on Twitter. Should we so. take one from the chat? Um, your your plans for Christmas yeah, and sure. what do you plan it? Are you planning any Deadly Seasons Christmas horror show show thing? 
Well, I do have um, a Christmas special planned, which I really don't want to get into. I, I just want to drop it on everybody. Um, so I'm still working the details out on that. But I know it's going to be – it's definitely going to be a creepy pasta, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and my plans for Christ- Christmas is always chaotic for me because I, I'm a child of divorce, and I always have about three different families mm. I have to go to <laughs> because I'm with my fiance now. So we have to go to her parents. I have to go to my mom. I have to see my dad. So I'm always going – we always have to plan out days in advance, and uh, particularly this year – my stepsister is actually getting married a day before Christmas Eve on the 23rd, right? Yeah, the, the 23rd, like the Friday before Christmas weekend. And uh, that just – that that really just complicate, complicates things even more. So I'm definitely not going to be anywhere near my computer, but I'll have everything uh, all set up for Christmas and everything. So Very good. Do you guys have any questions for, for uh, Unit? like i know there was a uh, in the past you had a a couple of issues with some drama online are you okay with all that now oh yeah that uh, i was uh, i was looking at the thing earlier and that was one of the questions um where um my thoughts on drama and this community in general i i now think it's it's really just unnecessary and this is coming Mm -hmm. from somebody who has initiated drama in the past and you know i just um looking back on all the things i've been involved with i should have just like let it go i really should have just uh i shouldn't have been so consumed with like jealousy and um resentment i guess and Mm. that really just i got the bet they got the better of me and i started things on this community where that shouldn't have been, you know, started and I, I regret it. It's not something I can take back. It's something, it's like a black mark on my record. Mm. Uh, people are going to remember that forever, but it's, it really does take a backseat on all the positivity that we have in this community. Like, and something that I've, I've had to learn the hard way. And this, if any, if any narrators are listening now, it's, it's, um, it's a good piece of advice, I think. And the the communication with other narrators is less important than it is making good content for your fan base. And, like, you know, um, not everybody in this community is really willing to work with other people. Mm-hmm. And you can't really expect that. And it's, and it's like, it's a sad reality that we can't all work together. We all can't be friends and stuff like that. But when you get a, when you get a group of humans together on anything, be an online community or just like in general, there's going to be problems. People, Mm -hmm. they don't get along in general. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, really just, I've been focusing on, um, making quality content for my fan base and that's where I'm comfortable. I don't think I'm ever going to be involved in, uh, any, more drama because like I've been involved in more than one, mm-hmm. uh, drama spolics and, um, I don't like it. It just stresses me out. You know, you get a lot of hate over it and it's just something that isn't necessary. So I definitely learned the hard way that I shouldn't really dabble in drama do you think, too much. Um, yeah, with all that being said, do you think that people are drawn towards drama and that you can actually use it to your advantage to help grow your channel? as we've seen some channels do. Well, um, in certain communities, I say, yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. But 
and this community in particular, there's I've observed a lot of um, tribalism for back of lack of a better word. Like mm. um, the there's a core fan base of the horror community, and it does not matter if you disagree with a more let's say a more popular narrator. It does not matter if you disagree with them. They are still at the end of the day, that person is going to continue doing what they're doing and they're not going to really experience any type of major repercussion for it. And you pointing it out is only going to make people hate you. I think that's exclusive to this community because I've tried to do it before and I thought I was making a really good point and it just turns out that nobody really cares about your personal preference. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. One of the things that we've talked about before, I think, is that our community is actually, I think, one of the most supportive communities in terms of um, mm. people collaborating and helping each other out and yeah. giving each other positive feedback. Yeah, like I said earlier, there's definitely more positive vibe in this community uh, than other like the vlog like i don't want to be involved in that at all like the rice gum thing and <laughs> there's nothing like that going on in this community i think the the biggest even the biggest drama thing that has ever happened on this community is nothing compared to like that going on but i don't think drama benefits hard channels like it does like vloggers mm -hmm. or gamers or something you know i just don't think it works that way on in this specific community, I think it's a it's overall a bad thing because like we're here to tell stories. Nobody cares about what you think about this other person who tells stories. It's kind of like there that. There are probably very few of us who are big enough for for like a negative drama to to help us gain a following. Yeah, like I, I and it's just not it's not something that has any really good positive benefits. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion, though. No, I agree. And, and even if you were to grow your following through drama, once the drama's over and everyone loses interest, more likely than not, most of that following right. will disappear with it. Yeah, kind of like channels that got big off of doing the deep web thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they try to dabble in other territories when it comes to horror and like they get no views. Mm -hmm. So like I, I don't want to be I don't want to. I think I had the reputation of being somebody who starts drama, and I th I think that's like that's something I have to take because of the mistakes I've made. But really, I I don't like being a part of drama, and I don't like being associated with any type of like negativity towards somebody else. A anything that I've said on Twitter or something like that, or like all that, so it's in the past. You know, it's it's not something I even care about anymore. I do so. have one drama question for you, though. What happened to the other 521 okay. units? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very complex question you just asked. And um, I'll, I'll get into it, though. Okay, so essentially there's two units. There's, um, there's my fan base, the Unity, and they are the true units, in my opinion. But there's also, like, other units that exist in other dimensions that do... Uh, missions and they carry out various tasks and um, units number one two and three are basically the god hand of all the units um, they're, they're the voice of unit zero and nobody like only them only uh, units one through three have contact with unit zero and units four through ten are the unites 
and the Unites basically command all the other lesser units. Uh, so units 11 through 521, uh, actually it goes up to 999, unit 999 is the last one. So units 11 through 999 are the basic model units. That's what I am. That's the particular sect of unit that I'm from. Um, they exist in various dimensions, like I said, parallel to this one. And my mission here on Earth just happens to be telling stories on YouTube. So that is wow. the best way I can answer your question. <laughs> Great mission. That's amazing. <laughs> so um, the, we have the other 521 units. And then what about, why do you think that there are so many robots in the horror community? There's you, there are rain bots, there's Marge bots, there's litter bots. What's the deal with that? I, I've wanted to know that for a long time as well. Well, I think, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think I would consider myself more a cyborg th than a robot. Um, and I think Margbot actually identifies as an android. <laughs> so, um, like, uh, but... Like the concept of fictional characters, uh, like uh, when it comes to horror personas here on YouTube, like what, like a robot? Why not? You know what I mean? It's just awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer for you, but uh, I guess like uh, whoever, when they were thinking about making a persona online, they might, they may have been influenced by movies like The Terminator or uh, something else. Like uh, I think. Uh, Whenever I look at Margbot and uh, Rainbot, um, I see like I see a lot of inspiration from like that uh, the season the saga of Dragon Ball Z where they were fighting the uh, the androids and eventually mm -hmm. it led up to Perfect Cell. I see a lot of influence from there. I'm not sure if they they drew influence from that, but I, I guess like being influenced by just media in I general. I don't know. So on the last dead stream, um, right after we finished recording it, Mort, you bolted. You had to go catch a train, and you were on your way to go see Dracula's castle. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, Dracula's castle was really, really cool, really interesting. Uh, I'll tell you a few facts that I found quite cool. Dracula never actually went there. He never actually went to the castle that's Dracula's castle. That's that's quite Did, Oh, man, that's kind of like false advertising. <laughs> it's like, right? yeah, yeah. Go, go to Dracula's castle. Oh, wait, he never actually went there. Oh, yeah. oh okay, never mind. No. I mean, in all honesty, it was, it was a cool place to go to. It's a nice place to visit. I mean, if anyone ever got, gets the chance to go, I'd certainly recommend it. But although visually it is quite, you know, scary looking, quite interesting... It's on the inside. It's not very big. That is because the Roma it was owned by the Romanian royal family, and I think in the 1950s it was given to the government, and then it was given back. And when the royal family got got it back, the government had taken everything inside it and put it in museums. So they got this hollow shell of a castle, which obviously had stipulated interest in you know the worldwide community because of the Dracula books and films that had been out for years by then. And then then they just filled it with random stuff. You know, I, I did an Instagram tour. I did a, I put my Instagram story so people could have a look what's inside, but there really just isn't much in there. There's the history of the castle and it was just a war garrison, which means it was 
you know, like a strategic fort. So it's very small on the inside. There's not not really much space. But, you know, it's it's just, that's all it is. It's just a small, pretty cool castle on a hill. Have you seen any of the hill. Dracula films? Uh, I think the... I haven't seen the originals, you know, but I, I did tell myself that I should definitely watch them after, after going. But if you... When you get told or figure out, read the history about Vlad the Impaler, the guy who Dracula is based off, it is really interesting because he did, you know, impale people really, really horribly. And the thing with impaling is that you don't die straight away. You know, you're on that stick for two days before you bleed out or die from an infection. It's a really nasty way to go. Um, so he, he quite rightly... Uh, that name and Dracula means in Romanian Dracul is the devil so Dracul became Dracula and so forth but yeah it's if anyone gets the chance to go you know I, I'd recommend it it's a really cool place to visit but it's not it's probably not the most impressive castle in the world but still it's still worth going to I'm still curious cool. because um, I've seen the Terence Fisher Dracula and um, obviously Nosferatu and I don't know if I doubt that those are from that location or anything, but they always make those castles look so big. Oh yeah, no, it's it is miniature. I mean, I mean, just to describe how small it is, I mean, I can't even think about it. It's literally like some rooms are like two meters oh, by wow. two meters. You know, it's 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 nothing. You got you can walk around the whole of it in about five minutes. It's tiny. So in a couple weeks, we've got the new Insidious movie coming out. Any early thoughts on that? And have you guys seen the other movies in the Insidious series? Um, I saw the first one, and I remember really liking it. It was quite a long time ago, though. Um, And then when I saw the second one, I think it had been too long. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I was kind of lost. So I need to go back and watch both of them again before the third one one comes out. Or fourth one comes out. <laughs> See, I'm a little behind. <laughs> I've seen the first two, and I uh, I really enjoyed those films. I like the direction they were going. I think the from what I t- I've never seen the third one, but I take it they were setting up something on the second Insidious film where the lipstick face demon from the first film would return on the third film. I'm not sure if that's the direction they actually went with, but uh, I I thought it was a very engaging story. Um, I appreciate the connections made from the between the two films that I have seen. It really just builds off. I thought it was a very worthy sequel. Uh, obviously, I, I think the first stri- uh, the, the first film was a lot stronger than the second one uh, as far as uh, the, the overall energy of the film. It was a little bit more claustrophobic in the first film, but I thought it was a very engaging story, and I thought it was a very well-made film, and the sequel followed up very nicely. And uh, I, like I said, um, I, have to, I have to view the third one, but um, I probably would see the third one very soon so i can go to the theater and actually see the fourth or one tell when me it comes that you've out. seen the third one oh, oh, i've seen relief. all of them uh no i've seen i've seen all of them and i think so it's insidious and the conjuring are they the same universe or are they um, different i think they're separate universes i know an actor um who plays uh, uh one of the uh I forget his name, but his last name is Ward. One of the demonologists from Conjuring is—he uh, actually played in like both of the uh, series. 
Oh, okay, okay. Because I mean, I got into it quite late. I didn't, I didn't watch the first or second in theaters, and only when the third one was coming out, I was like, "Huh? Oh, there's two more." So my wife and I, we binged watch one, two, and then we went to see the third one the day after. And I mean, I, I really liked it. I really liked the continuation, how everything cleverly ties into each other. And I think I, I'd just be echoing what Unit said. But yeah, I just, I really liked the storytelling. I really liked how everything. You like if you were to watch it two years apart or whatever, or even if you don't, if you watch it like one day to the next, you can, you know, you can tell the little different. You can tell the things that have carried on and you know how they've made things linked up quite cleverly, which I think is good because obviously they planned how they wanted the story as a whole to be told, maybe as like a trilogy, um, and then they just did part one, two, and three so that it would have this nice progression and. Everything would make sense and be all very neat and organized. Does the um, third does the third film involve the family from yeah. the first two? Uh, no, but there are aspects that are carried over by okay. the uh, by the lady the uh, the lady character who well, it's okay. kind of interesting sees the because ghost. the third one is um, actually a prequel, even though it's called Chapter Three. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, right. They go and back I think this in time. One is also okay. going to take place before the first one. Oh yeah, oh, okay. I was I was I was gonna ask about that because from the trailer it looks like, I mean I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but you know the state of some characters is different. I don't really know. Like the, it seems like timelines are a bit um, messed up. So I am interested to I see did where they go with to, that. Like put together a timeline in the video that I did on it last month, and basically the uh, the spark notes of that were that um, Specs and Tucker are with the Lin Shay character in the trailer for the fourth one. So we know that it's after the third one, but we also know that it's before the first one. Uh, okay, okay, I see, I see, I see. But then okay, I think okay. there may actually be um, segments that we see from Lin Shay's past where she's a kid. So it could take place a little bit before the third one and uh, a little bit in between the third and the first. It might be interesting to watch them all chronologically. It's interesting that <laughs> they decided after the first one that the thread that ties them all together was going to be uh, the Lin Che character. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I It agree. definitely gives them the opportunity to franchise it and show like a bunch of her different stories dealing with the paranormal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe they were just planning to see how well it did. And then if it did really well, then they had all these other stories to tell. And it didn't. It took off. So based on her that. reaction of seeing uh, the demon uh, that looked like Darth Maul from the first film, I, I got the sense <laughs> that she kind of encountered that thing before. So I'm just wondering if there's any truth to that. Maybe. Well, sorry, what was that? The, the, the demon from the first film, the lipstick face demon, he kind of mm -hmm. looked like Darth Maul. Uh, based on her reaction of seeing him in the room, uh, I got I kind of got the sense that she has encountered that thing before. So I'm just wondering if uh, the follow-up films three and four would probably shed light on if she or if that was like a first-time encounter. But uh, I got the sense that she did. She knew what that thing was and like has encountered him before. I feel like they're gonna save that for like the potential fifth one because the second one's the cliffhanger. 
and then this will probably take place before the first one. And I feel like she sees the the lipstick face demon at the end. Yeah, because right there at the end of the second one, you hear that same right. sound that yeah. that thing makes. So like, I, like I'm, and he was a terrifying part of the first film. So I'm, I'm very interested in seeing if uh, the story is going to pick up where that left off. If they're just doing prequels, you know, that's cool and everything. But come on, let's right. answer the question that you left <laughs> off like on the second yeah. chapter already. Um, yeah. Well, at the end of the third one, they actually show her encountering the lipstick face demon and that was kind of like okay this is leading into the first one now and they didn't explicitly state this but my sense was that that was like the first time that she met the lipstick face thing okay so if she encountered it in the in the third film and uh, saw it again in the first film since the third film takes place before the first film it, it is like I guess my prediction was correct that she she actually knew about the lipstick face demon uh, prior to the first film. Right. So yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, so moving on from Insidious, we are coming up on the end of the year, and I thought it would be fun to discuss some of our favorite horror films or just horror stories or topics of the year. So I've got my top five horror films, um, and I'm kind of liberal with the the term horror films for this because. There's only so many horror movies that come out in a year. So uh, my number five, I put Death Note. And a lot of people hated that movie. And I didn't love it, but I thought it was I thought it was okay. The Japanese Death Note movies were definitely better. Um, but in a year where there weren't a whole lot of horror movies, I put that at number five. And then I put The Shape of Water at number four which again is more of like a monster slash romance thing. Um, it was a really weird movie. Did any of you guys get a chance to see it? No, no. sadly. Yeah, is it um, worth watching? Like the, the cinematography and production design is amazing. And it's an interesting story. It's, it's kind of out there, but very enjoyable. Um, and then the top three... I thought were really good, which were It, Mother, and It Comes at Night, which I think was super underrated. It Comes at Night? I, had, I hadn't heard of it until you just said it just now. Um, it's What's about it about? This, it's like a disease movie, and it takes place after a disease has wiped out what we assume is pretty much the entire Earth. But um, this family invites another family to come live with them so that they can share resources and it's just about like the struggle of them trying to trust each other. Nice. It's a very small movie, mm. but I think it was like the most suspenseful and one of the best movies of the year. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. But what were some of your guys' favorites from 2017? Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't actually think I saw five horror films in the mm-hmm. whole of 2017, which is a shame, but... I was away for a while, like not pure horror anyway, but I think my top three in number three was Rings, which although was okay, I suppose because the Ring franchise is my my favorite horror franchise, I I liked it, but I was a bit underwhelmed. I just thought it would be a bit better, but I still thought it was all right. And uh, of course, there was It... I really, really liked it. 
Uh, it sort of had a Stranger Feels, Stranger Things vibe to me. It was very that. That's the kind of like feeling I got. Like it wasn't super scary. But it I've was, heard a lot of you know, people say fun. that, but I feel like and, it's the opposite. And Stranger Things has a little bit of an it vibe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. It's just I suppose I saw Stranger Things although, and then I saw it. So although maybe not because the era. original It takes place in the 50s and then the new one takes place in the 80s. Yeah, that that's kind of why I was I was feeling that. But I think my favorite film this year was was Annabelle. Probably well, my favorite horror film this year. I really liked Annabelle. Um, I never got a chance to see that. I really wanted I, to see it I in really theaters. Oh, you did. Oh, it's it's a real, well. I think it's a good film. Perhaps well, Rabbit or because you I haven't seen the first or anyone in the, the comments section. Annabelle, so I wanted to watch that first, and I wanted to like rewatch the whole Conjuring series before mm-hmm. I got to that. But I wanted to see it while it was still in theaters to support David F. Sandberg, who, of course, it came from YouTube, Pony Smasher on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, oh, really? um, I didn't know. he directed the short film Lights Out, and then they contacted him and brought him out to Hollywood to make the feature. <clears throat> nice. Oh, wow. But the, th- the thing is... Uh, they, the way they've done Annabelle is they've set it up as a as another trilogy. I thought it'd be you know when the first one came out, I thought it'd be a standalone movie, but there's gonna be another one. Uh, there is gonna be another one. <laughs> um, any any favorites from you guys, Rabbit or Unit? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and stick with the I, I got like top three plus a potential. Um, so at three, I'm gonna be unoriginal and go with it again, because why not? Uh, number two, I have Split. Oh, um, I love Split, but that came out last year. <laughs> yeah. It did? The list I was looking at sucks. Well, I, I might be wrong about <laughs> this, but I think it was one of those things where it, came, it technically came out last year, but then the wide release came in 2017. Oh. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going with, because that's when I saw it. Um, and then uh, number one was Get Out. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of Get Out, and I've gotten a lot of flack for it. And I would honestly just consider it more of a comedy. The, yeah. A comedy? <laughs> there weren't really any parts that were suspenseful to uh, me. There's definitely elements of it that are comedic, but I, I think overall it would be probably considered like a thriller or something. Mm-hmm. Like a psychological thriller a and little bit. I guess it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling it, but... Um, like about halfway through the movie, I was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if they went in this direction?" And then, it, like, it just seemed like a very Jordan Peele comedy thing to do to go in this direction. And then, as I was watching the movie, it was kind of like, "Oh, the, he really is going to do that. <laughs> it's not as funny enough, and it's actually happening." <laughs> I, I I still need to watch it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say hold everything you say quite tentatively. Indeed. Yeah, it's definitely worth at least one watch. In fact, it's on, that's on my list. Get out. Um, yes. But like, I'll, I'll do five. But I got I got to be honest. There's a lot that came out in 2016 that I did not get around to seeing until like mm-hmm. early 2017. Um, my number five would be Blair Witch. Um, I, I thought I, I was a big fan of the film that came out in 1999, and I felt that this this kind of was. Um, a little bit of a half-assed version of that film, but it still followed up very nicely, and I was very pleased with how the third act wrapped up uh, this film. It's kind of like a 
I kind of view it as a de facto remake of the Blair Witch Project with higher uh, production value. Uh, but I, I felt it was a very engaging story. There was a there were some parts that kind of annoyed me a little bit, but um, overall, I felt it was a very decent well, film. Um, Number I'm, four, I'm, I'm going to go with. Movie. I'm not going to lie. Overall, I hated it. Okay. And I, I'm a huge fan of the okay. original, but the last thirty minutes were really good, and they were so satisfying. Yeah, that that's what really makes that film uh, worth it to me. Uh, Blair Witch. It had a it, again. There was some sloppy parts in the first two acts, and I was kind of like meh. But uh, I I still I, I still thought it was an interesting concept. And then the the final how they wrap things up was just beautiful in but, the end. But before you go uh, on, number um, four. I point out after dark analysis comment. Okay. Love to get out, but I can see why it wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, ah, this guy. <laughs> I get the reference. Uh, number four is going to be it. Um, I really enjoyed it, but uh, I I recently I read the book in its entirety when it came out, and I also watched the um, like before its initial release. I read the book and rewatched the miniseries, and I think my problem with the remake of it or the the new adaptation is. I think an important way to tell that story in particular is actually jumping between the timelines like the book does where they go from the present, which is in like 1986 in the book and the past, which is like somewhere in the 1950s. I think uh, drawing correlations between the two timelines is a very, very important part to tell this story and focusing on just the past. I, I get why they did it and I understand like why they had to do that. But uh, I felt it was lacking uh, that certain aspect of the story. And at, at least the miniseries made an attempt to go back and forth between the timelines. You know, um, I, I prefer the miniseries, the, the first half, at least the second half, which is awful. Uh, but the first half of the miniseries, I think, is superior than the film that came out. But still great cinematography, great acting, uh, excellent acting. Um and a, a, just a really good story. Obviously, I feel I feel like it heavily homages the original story, but it it maintains its its own originality at the same time. You know, they're just they're kind of like taking certain liberties with the original story, which you know I can appreciate. But it's it's definitely a different I'm experience. I'm honestly starting to think you know? that they are going to go back and forth uh, between the past and the present in the next movie. Just because um, I think they were yeah. planning on doing it where just one movie's all the kids stuff and all, one movie's all the adult stuff. But seeing how popular those kids have become in pop culture, I think I think they almost kind of have mm-hmm. to go that route. And yeah, and there's, there's definitely, definitely going to be a few scenes the, here and there. The kid portions that they can now go back and touch on. Yeah, because it, it all kind of like. It all kind of seemed rushed a little bit towards like the the second act of that movie. It was just kind of like things were just happening back to back, and you know, um, I, I just felt they, they there was a lot of missed opportunity from like scenes that I remember from the books and everything. But like, um, th- there was a scene that was not in the book that was in the movie uh, involving the girl and the drain. I'm not going to spoil anything, but how they how they did that scene where she was looking down into the sink was just mm-hmm. beautiful in the movie. It was just like great cinematography all around great effects just like it was it was very effective to me uh but uh, regardless of how i feel about like uh if you compare 
the adaptation to the source material, obviously there are always going to be inconsistencies, but what they came up with was great. Number three, get out. I'm not going to go too much into that film because like I said, you have, you have to see it. It starts off kind of comedic and it just like slowly, you start to notice things that are, aren't right here and there. And it just builds up into like this finale. And it's just like, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, number two, Going back into 2016, I would have to say, um, <clears throat> "Don't mm, breathe." I love. Don't have breathe. you guys ever seen that? Yeah the the suspense al- like not the most original concept for uh, telling a story, but it, the suspense, how they built the suspense in that movie, had me on the edge of my seat when I was watching it. Me and my me and my girlfriend at the time, now my fiance, but me and my fiance were just like. Like, what the fuck is going to happen yeah. next? <laughs> 2016 was a great year for horror movies. Yeah, uh, honorable mention, I would have to say The Forest. I, I think it got a bad rap, and obviously there were some problems with The Forest, but overall, uh, I felt it was a very solid film. Uh, but number one would have to be a movie that came out in 2016, did not see it until 2017, obviously, but The Void. I see The Void. That was, that was an incredible movie. That was just an absolutely incredible movie. Like, if you got anybody who's watching this who hasn't seen a movie called The Void, came out last year, definitely watch it. it it's definitely, uh, I like it because it borrows a lot from uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, also, with with its direction, it reminds me of a modern John Carpenter film. It's just an absolutely amazing story, and I, I like science fiction horror, and it just it's a refreshing dose of that. I'll have to so. write that one down. Could you give us the could could you give us the cliff notes without spoiling it just to have a little well, taster? It basically uh, there's these people who are trapped in a hospital and there's this cult outside the hospital that is preventing them from leaving. And in the hospital, uh, strange things start to happen. I don't want to give away too much, but these these creatures start to appear, and. Um, it all ties into a conspiracy with the head doctor there. That's all. That's all I can really say without spoiling too much. But definitely, definitely have to watch that film if you haven't seen it. Sounds good. Hopefully, the yeah. viewers will have some uh, some new movies that they can check out based off of some of our favorites from the year. Um, I can't believe we're already forty minutes into this, but let's jump into the news. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of news coming out of the horror community in the last month. But I think something that affected all of us is the repeal of net neutrality in the U.S. Mm, um, so, yeah. what was it? That's, Two days ago, they, the FCC voted out net neutrality. And that's why we, um, we themed this dead stream around horror community on life support. Because now with the, um, the Adpocalypse 2.0 and... Um, whatever is going to happen with the loss of net neutrality, I think that a lot of creators are going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Federal Communications Commission, um, all the members of that board have a hand up their backside, and that is the hand of corporate influence. Um, It's just so blatant that I I cannot believe that this is actually a thing, and they actually... We, we, I can see, like everybody can see what you're doing. This is, this has profits written all over it. You just, it puts the corporations in a position to squeeze us and squeeze uh, companies like uh, Netflix, Hulu, and 
all of them just for higher profit margins and that this is basically all it is and they're really going to cripple a lot of things over that but i feel like the backlash so far is loud enough to where they can't if they were to do that and um which they will but they'll probably you know go at a slower pace than they planned because of this black backlash but there's going to be a lot of negative publicity over a specific company maybe comcast or another major internet provider if uh, the consumers start realizing that certain other websites are slower and stuff like that. The repercussions become reality that well, we speculate on now. Uh, I think that's kind of the thing because people are yeah. saying now like, oh, it's been two days and nothing has happened yet. So what's the big <laughs> deal? But like they, they know not to do it. Right oh, yeah. Away. It's not going to happen gonna right away. Slowly like break us down over the next 10 years and start um, just yeah. slowly adding in fees and slowing down websites and censoring stuff, which is really a lot scarier than them just you know something like that would have an immediate public outcry. Yeah, and I think when it when it does happen, the public outcry will cause um, another decision to be put forth to the FCC, and if they can't if they can't reverse it, I think uh, if the outcry is loud enough, Congress would crush it. Uh, that. That's what I think. I meant, like, uh, the but the cry has to be right. loud Which enough for that. Is to why happen. I think now is really like our only chance to save it because if they if they do one small thing, there's not going to be a huge public outcry, and if they continue to nickel and dime us for several years, then we're going to be a lot in, in a lot of trouble. Yeah, like I don't. I I I gotta be honest with you, as an American citizen, I do not have much faith in our Congress as it stands now, and without getting too political, but. If they have an iota of integrity, they will stop this from happening. They I really mean, need to stop. At least stop they it. represent, uh, supposedly represent the people. Like they are going to be held liable and most likely voted out if they're uh, unable to fix this. Whereas the FCC is just appointed and. Oh yeah, and like uh, corporate powers control the FCC, and it's so blatantly obvious. And it's just like a. Uh, I, I don't understand. Like they're so brazen about it, you know what I mean? It's just like they're wearing it on their. So yeah, we're we're corporate owned, and we're gonna go ahead and go with this decision. And it's just like no, like obviously you're in this for profits, and it's just so like you're and you're masquerading it as like internet freedom. It's it's definitely not that, <laughs> and we can all see it. Anybody with a brain cell can figure yeah, out what so, you guys are doing um, right now. Supposedly, eighty three percent of people are in support of net neutrality, which that alone is like an overwhelming amount of people in support of this and still you're repealing yep. it. But really, I think that 83% is really more like 99.9%. And the, the 17% mm -hmm. who, um, who said that they weren't for it were just tricked by the fact that they call it the Restoring Internet Freedom Act, which is, yeah, I mean, people are saying in the chat, it oh, really yeah. is just like the opposite of freedom, what they're doing. It's completely deceptive. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. have you guys been affected by the adpocalypse recently, and um, possibly by the the turn of net neutrality already? Well, the adpocalypse hasn't really affected me as uh, lately. Uh, when it first started, the the first time this happened, it, it killed almost ads on all my like. Almost all my videos did not have ads because it just all got hit at once, and I had to file repeals and everything. And 
when they they put out that update a while back where they said that uh, they tweaked the engine a little bit, a lot of the videos that ha- had yet to be uh, reviewed got put back in a good standing. Where it stands right now is I I work my schedule around like okay, so the the video is going to be uploaded, but I'm not going to publish it at least until about 48 hours later because. We're going to have to go through because it's automatically demonetized automatically. And I've gotten to the point where I have to calculate that into my schedule. You know, just like I know it's going to be demonetized. I'm just going to file for repeal and they'll put it back in good standing and then I'll publish the video. And that's basically how it's affected me. But uh, as far as revenue return, it's it's basically like ever since the first adpocalypse has been down significantly, but it's it's not. Like I can't really complain on what so I am 2.0 getting. So this two point hasn't affected you as much. Not as much, but it, it pro- on some rudimentary level probably, but not enough to uh, cause a public so outcry that's over or something. For me, um, I was a lot smaller when the first one happened. So in a way, um, it kind of helped me because people in the community were giving up and just stopped uploading. So I was kind of able to get more exposure like that. Um, but this new one has like really. Mm really hit me hard. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier um, about Rabbit. You are not full-time on YouTube, so you might actually um, like be in the best place here s- seeing people give up again. Yeah, I definitely have a, have a full-time job because I've never made enough on YouTube to make it my job. Um, so have you noticed more exposure from this new adpocalypse and like, do you think that you have a better chance of just keeping your content consistent no matter what happens? Um, yeah, I, I haven't really been affected by... I was affected once by the original Adpocalypse, but after a few reviews, my my videos got put back. So I never actually was really affected by it. It's hard for me to tell because taking sense from sense is not noticeable. Um, so I, I put out videos because I like to do it, not because I'm making money off of it and i don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon um i saw some people in the i started using the community tab a little bit and they were worried about with the loss of net neutrality um they were worried that they wouldn't be able to watch my videos or i wouldn't be making videos that's definitely not at all true i'm going to keep making videos no matter what but if um like most likely what i'll have to do is um is pick up another job and um, it's just going to get a lot harder and, um, hopefully I can maintain the same quality of videos. Yeah. Like 2017, I think was a very dark year for, uh, YouTube in general with the whole adpocalypse thing. And now this, um, it's just not, like 20, 2016 was a very good year, but like it just like polar opposite this year for YouTube. Um, we got a super <laughs> chat donation from Carrie Temporary. Um, big thank you to Carrie. She's here like every single month when we do the dead stream. She's always one of the first commenters. Really means a lot to have that continued support from you, Carrie. So thank you so much. Thank All you. Right, so speaking of net neutrality and adpocalypses, um, I released the the new merch store finally. So if you want to support the channel and pick up Ooh. some new CZ's World merch, we've got t-shirts, mugs, handbags, um, big nice. lineup of products. Yeah, we got Handbags. CZ's World uh, tote bag. 
Oh, that's cool. Did you ever print that uh, Keep so YouTube I'm Creepy on shirt? The Keep YouTube Creepy shirt. And you can actually see it right here yeah. in the banner, but it's not available yet. Um, so what that is, is we want to support the idea of um, continued uh, horror topics on YouTube and not getting kicked off by the, the more ad-friendly channels or the more kid-friendly channels. Um, so what that shirt's going to be is it's going to, each of those letters is going to contain one of the um, one of the big voices in the YouTube horror community. And the only reason that I haven't released it yet is because I need one more person to fill in that P on the top right. And I want to make sure to get the perfect channel in there. But that'll mm -hmm. be around the corner soon. And that that's one that features me, Rabbit, Mort, and Unit, and a bunch of other of your favorites. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> going to get that when it comes out. Yes, sure. Um, so just a couple of other news items. Um, and it, this isn't so much uh, a YouTube horror story, but uh, Charles Manson died over, when was that? About two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Mm. Um, and I noticed that mm. yeah. Charles Manson and other serial killers have kind of like their own fangirls and this weird fan base. Um, and people are saying that like his death kind of commanded a similar level of respect to Wes Craven, which is kind of messed up if you think about it, because Wes Craven actually contributed awesome things and movies to our society. So like, what are your thoughts on like people becoming fans of serial killers? It's, it's ridiculous. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be fans if they killed a member right. of their family now, would they? Wouldn't be like, oh, you killed my dad. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's ridiculous, you know? Oh, it's, it's just really... I think people just, I don't know, they get obsessed with, you know, I, like, like I, something, yeah. and then they just, like, follow it through, and then they're just, oh, yeah, it's so great. I don't know. It's I don't, baffling. I don't think... it, it, is, it really is baffling. And uh, uh, something similar is um, a serial killer... His name, uh, his nickname was the Night Stalker. He actually got married in prison mm -hmm. to a woman, and it's uh, like I don't mean to be misogynist here, but it, it seems to be like women. Some women are attracted to just like these monsters, and it's just like it's baffling because like you realize like this person, if you were alone with this person, he'd probably kill you, <laughs> and uh, it's just like I don't know. I, I really don't see where this morbid fascination comes from. Uh, like the the topic of serial killers in general is interesting on a like kind of psych psychological scale, but like I would not like dedicate myself enough to where like I would be like kind of like that guy who went and visited Gacy while in prison like months before he uh, was executed. Like that guy ended up shooting himself in the head. Like if you go too deep into the serial killer rabbit hole, it's not good. I think in um, general, I I like it when it's done ironically, when they're supported ironically. Yeah. Um, but it really does seem like there are people who like genuinely are in love with these serial killers, which is really weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, like these women are willing to like yeah. marry them. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. It's 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 very bizarre to me. It's something about I, I, like I would actually like to like hear an actual psychologist dissect that type of morbid attraction. You know what? Where where does it stem from? Because it is it's something that just completely baffles me. 
it's just like, I, I don't, but I don't I know. also kind of want to be careful because I feel like some of the people who do feel that way are also probably some of the people who watch our channels, but there's, there's definitely <laughs> Maybe. a line though, uh, but that like has been crossed. Charles Manson, Charles Manson. I remember reading an article about him, uh, obviously before he died and he had this, uh, like this 25 year old girlfriend or something. And she looked, uh, she, she wasn't like the most attractive woman around, but she wasn't ugly. And I, I was so curious that I actually watched interviews with her and it's just like, she just seemed like a complete airhead. And she claimed that she didn't even know, uh, Charles Manson murdered people like, uh, co- like coordinated murders back in like the sixties. I'm like, come on. Like, well, no, I also like, think you, that you, you, like, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with being fascinated by serial killers and wanting to dissect their mind and understand like how they tick. Yeah, like I said, it's an interesting con. Uh, it's an interesting topic. Uh, speaking strictly in psychological science terms, but like, if if you're to the point where you like actually want like meet up with these people in jail and stuff like that, I don't think that's ever a it's good very thing. Strange. Um, that's pretty much it. There wasn't a whole lot of news. Um, I do want to before we wrap mm-hmm. things up, answer a couple of questions. Um, so if you guys have questions right now, great time to leave them in the chat. One of the ones that I noticed earlier was somebody asked, are creepypastas dying? Uh, what do you guys think about that? I don't think so. I, I think they're still going pretty strong, at least in my case. Um, and I mean, a lot of the videos that I like to tune into are creepypastas anyway. But I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're dying. What about you, Unit? I think... When when people say that, they're obviously referring to like the view count is not is not as prevalent prevalent as uh, like something like a uh, story collections, um, but I think the conventional way of telling creepy pastas is uh, is not getting the views. I think that's what they mean by that. But if you can tell a good story, like um, for example, Clancy Pasta, um, I I'm a big fan of his work. He if you can tell a story in a certain way. Uh, it really doesn't matter if it's a creepy pasta or if you're good at doing it, you'll get the views. Um, like I said, uh, when it comes to creepy pasta, been around for a long time, and I think everybody has heard the classics like uh, Jeff the Killer. Um, there's a few other like Autopilot and stuff like that. If you're getting into creepy pasta and you're doing what's been done years ago, you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful at it because it's been done before. The fad is over. Um, the the hype is definitely not at its peak. At the moment, um, but like I said, uh, not to sound conceited or anything, I just think uh, a uh, creepy pasta is like Rake versus Dogman when you have like a very in-depth story with interesting characters and a very engaging storyline. I think it it really doesn't matter if it's a creepy pasta, no sleep, true scary stories. When you have those elements, it'll think, do well. I think the thing that people mm. are not taking into account about like the whole. Con- the, not controversy, but um, the whole competition between true scary stories and creepypasta is that 99% of the true scary stories you hear are actually creepypasta that are Native. written to mm-hmm. s- sound like maybe they're true. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because on my channel, I do I do no sleep collections. Like, I, and I, I t- maybe it's a little malicious for me to title them like I do, but you're getting exactly what's in the title. Like, Two very creepy hitchhiker horror stories. No sleep. I make sure I put no sleep there because, like, these aren't true. These are not true. They're just two creepy 
Hitchhiker Horror Stories. They're from No Sleep. That's right there in the title. So nowhere, nowhere in the title does it ever masquerade right. as being true. Yeah, I mean, I've kind so, of, I've kind of done a similar and, thing uh, with All Dante Creepypasta, where most of them I write them as like real things that could have happened, but they're they're all fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, yeah, some people think that they're true anyways, but I always, I always brand them as creepypastas. Yeah, I always say like these these stories are from no sleep. It doesn't it, it, they're not mass it's like these aren't necessarily true. There there have been true stories on no sleep, but the majority of them are creepy pastas. And um but you know the the reception of these videos have been mostly positive, you know. Uh, people seem to enjoy them and uh like no sleep is a particular strand of creepy pasta. So I, I would say like um you know uh, the concept of creepypastas being fictional horror stories, they people still find them interesting. Maybe the term creepypasta has gone out of style a little bit, but I, I feel like the concept itself is still yeah, very alive that, and well. Um, like my biggest series in terms of views has been the things you missed. But if you look at the watch time, the amount of time that people actually spend listening to it, the All Dante Creepypasta is actually like the highest watched series, which is pretty crazy because... Um, the other series has way, way more views. Yeah. Um, Rabbit, mm. you've been expanding. Uh, you've been mostly doing creepypasta and kind of expanding into documentary stuff. Um, I don't know if you're s- still planning on doing that, but um, what are your thoughts on like creepypasta? Obviously, scary stories are going to be around forever, but creepypasta as a term. Uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, Unit touched on it that it's um, on a on a huge downslope since I don't know three years ago or four years ago when it became uh, suddenly a really interesting thing. And since getting any attention, I've had an endless amount of requests to start doing more true stories, which I don't like doing. So I don't. Um, but whenever I do, it's you know to appease those requests, and I get a bump of views and. Clearly, there's also an, uh, a rise of true stories right now, which might dip over the years as well. It's just a trend. There's a trend going on right now, which uh, I don't know. I just the 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 documentary thing is just because that that fascinates me anyway. And if I can come up with a good topic that people might find interesting, I'll I'll research it and so do you think talk that about you'll it. kind of brand um, for, your creepypastas as true scary stories if the opportunity is there. Um, a creepypasta to me will always be a fictional story and I've always been okay with calling it that um, I've had people email me stories that they claim are true but it's written from the other gender's point <laughs> right. of view that they claim they wrote and I'm like it's yeah. so obviously not a true story man I'm not going to lie to my audience Those and tell them it's true it's and like it's not when they claim it's a true story but <laughs> they they remember like the most yeah. um, accurate details that you would never remember like I, the Ooh. one that I always think oh, yeah. of is, yeah. um, uh, it's one of the Disney ones, the not abandoned by Disney, the Disney catacombs. And like one of the main facets of the story is that like they, they were put into this room and they saw the room number was, um, like this, this certain mm-hmm. number. And then it turns out that was the same, that the room number was like Disney's date of birth. But it's like, why would you, why would you look oh, at that yeah. and remember that exact number, <laughs> and then go back and look it up? So specific. 
Yeah, it yeah, just it I, seems like people are trying to brand things as true just so they can get the views, and that's not right to me. I've actually been trying to branch out into other like horror-related content because uh, like you can only do so many stories before you get burnt out on it, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of there, you know. Like I'm never gonna stop telling stories because that's what I'm known for. I, I understand that, but like I want to get into like independent filming and uh, just. Maybe doing a little bit of like horror themed comedy at some point. So I'm definitely brainstorming, uh, but I feel like I get pigeonholed. I, I never wanted to be pigeonholed as the true scary story guy. Like, and it, it's hard not to be pigeonholed when your primary content is that. So, like, I'm, I'll never transform my channel completely, but I do want to do other horror related content so I can just like avoid this whole thing in general for a little bit. Yeah, I feel you. Because then, when you start doing something else, your audience are like, "Oh, what's this?" Nah, nah, nah. I'm not watching. Yeah, that. you got to be, you gotta be careful on. You got to be careful how you approach new content. Because, but you have to. I, I, the way I see it, as long as you're delivering horror, I think if it, if it doesn't go over well now, people will start to appreciate it more as time goes on. All right, mm. one more question. Carrie is asking. Um, did I write the story that I did on Unit's channel? So um, I filled in for Unit uh, about a month ago um, and narrated a story called Fishhook. I did not write that one. Um, so who did write that one, Unit? That was actually um, Tim Sonsky's friend collaborated with him on telling a true scary story. Like uh, uh, the, apparently the guy was not much of a writer, so him and Tim kind of got together and uh, – he he wrote that's why the writing is so well on that story is because he wrote it himself you know but he it's based off that encounter from his friend i don't know who the person is in general but uh it's definitely the work of tim sonsky but he he was um he was listening to the experience that his friend had and uh, i really do appreciate you uh actually filling in for me because i was i was dealing with some personal stuff and then right after that i got sick as hell so i had to this get somebody happens. else on like, my people channel people in the horror community get sick at the same time <laughs> yeah so like i had to get cc to fill in for me i'm like okay i'm ready to oh man my nose is running and then the next day i'm like oh i can't do yeah. anything <laughs> <laughs> definitely been there but definitely go and check that so. one out it's called Fishhook on Unit's channel I'm very proud of how that one came out oh yeah it was very good very very good production I'm very pleased with it like and CZ made like he on the production side he took care of everything and I, I really do appreciate that ladies and gentlemen it seems yeah, it that our time well. has come but don't worry because we're going to be doing new dead streams every month the next stream will be january 20th at 2 p.m pacific that's 5 p.m eastern and 10 p.m gmt if you missed us live you can catch the dead stream on demand here on cz cz's world for the full experience where you'll be able to see the real time chat and whatever other images we feel like showing you you can also catch some recent episodes on iTunes and Google Play. If you have a story or any news about YouTube horror, send an email to czsworld at gmail.com and let us know who you'd like to see as a future guest. The music in The Deadstream is composed by OST Maker. Visit his link in the description and go ahead and subscribe to OST Maker's channel for some more Rabbit, great tunes. Rabbit, people find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, just Googling Lady White Rabbit. And Mort, how can the fans connect with you? If you go at Mortis Media, you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. And Units, where can our fans go to check you out? 
youtube.com forward slash unit522 and you can find me on twitter at unit522 you can find stories. me on facebook google plus and instagram as cz's world and my twitter handle is cz's world underscore horror if you guys want to go check out that merch um just go to my website cz's and look for the merch store unit thanks you for coming on the show today and we will remember to subscribe to CZ's World for new horrors every week, ring the death bell for notifications, and we'll see you in the next one, assuming we both survive. <laughs> <laughs>